So, yeah. wait, we've got Sarah walking in here dressed like a paralegal. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, actually, that's a really good call. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they go through the singing questions. Singing Baby Shark. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Rom-Com Rewind Podcast. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Devin. And like you, I love rewatching movies over and over again. You found us. You made it here. You're listening. You love romantic comedies. We do as well. So this is a show where we rewatch rom-coms, break them down a bit for you, maybe take a peek behind the curtain, dig beneath the surface, and decide, does it still hold up? Today we have The, the Devil, Devil Wears, Wears Prada. Prada. And before we uh, get into it, if you're listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, subscribe, follow. If you want to reach out, you can do that by emailing romcomrewind at gmail.com. You can message us on TikTok or Instagram at romcomrewind. Um, Sarah and I are pregnant. We're having our first child. And a few episodes back, we talked about on the backup plan, a snot sucker product. Yes, yeah. That is <laughs> horrible. And it's it a is filter. disgusting. And we also posted it on our Instagram account just to see what you thought about the snot sucker product. And just so you know, it is a tube with a filter. Yeah, goes filter. One, one, one end goes into your mouth. The other goes into the baby's nose. Suck the snot out of your baby's nose. Again, there is a filter. So Mad says, uh, I have a baby and this is so wrong. Thank you. I agree. Most comments, though, were on the positive for the snot sucker. I was going to say, are you just going to read the negative ones? Like, <laughs> There's like three negative not the, ones. Not the negative ones. I shouldn't say the negative ones. Just the ones that, that wouldn't use it. Uh, yeah. You know what? I can read only the negative ones no, if you want. No. Emily, no. all caps, don't get this. Gross. <laughs> I will get you one of the little ones that's like a turkey baster. I refuse to get this for anyone. So Married to the Andersons says, it's incredible and gross. Used it with my first and on to my second now. Replace the filters, but it is so good. But yeah. she admits See? that it's gross. I mean, the concept of it is um, you got to get past it. It's like when they made green and purple ketchup. You know, I just couldn't get past it. Sarah, do you not just, you just compare to, this you to like to get a, past a genuine edible product. Okay. <laughs> That's just ketchup with green food coloring. Oh, We're so talking gross. about snot I... going through a tube from the nose into... Or, what? When, or when they dyed Wonder Bread. Do you remember oh, when I they actually don't remember. Oh, okay, yeah, they dyed Wonder Bread, and I couldn't get past it either. Uh, Lee said, I laughed so hard during that portion of the episode. Don't have that brand, but definitely worth it. See? A snotty, upset kid is not fun for anyone. Exactly. So sometimes you got to do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do. I disagree, I like that. I agree. There are some things I won't do. And that is one of those things. That's horrible. I think our when when our child needs like his his snot sucked uh, <laughs> out. <laughs> you're going to just be... trying to say that <laughs> as if it's a normal conversation. The words that you're saying right now. If you want to join in on some of these conversations on our Instagram at romcom rewind. <laughs> so the Devil Wears Prada is a 2006 comedy drama with some romance in yeah. there, directed by David Frankel. It's based on the 2003 novel by Lauren uh, Weisberger. This is the story of Andy, played by Anne Hathaway. She is a freshly graduated journalist who stumbles upon a junior personal assistant job under Miranda Priestley. Dun-dun-dun! Played by Meryl Streep. Now, Miranda Priestley is the editor-in-chief of Runway Magazine. Which is kind of like a like a Vogue, but like not Vogue. Uh, and that gig Andy stumbled upon is, quote, a job that millions of girls would kill for. Andy 
is kind of meh about it. She wants to be a legitimate journalist, and she's in this fashion magazine thing. But Miranda Priestly is not one to be trifled with, and Andy finds herself in extremely challenging situations trying to impress her new boss, as well as her co-workers, Emily, played by Emily Blunt, and Nigel, played by Stanley Tucci, all while juggling her relationship with Nate, played by Adrian Grenier, and a suave... New York Times freelancer Christian Thompson, played by Simon Baker. That is our lead into The Devil Wears Prada. What are your thoughts? Miranda Priestley is the editor in chief of Runway. So you don't read Runway? No. Not to mention a legend. And before today, you'd never heard of me? No. You work a year for her, and you can get a job at any magazine you want. You have no style or sense of fashion. I. I... No, no. That wasn't a question. I love this movie. Yeah. I have not seen this movie in a while. A few years, I'd say. Um, God, I love it. <laughs> it is so good. It is everything you want in a dramedy. Every single person they cast, in my opinion, because I know, like, and in, in, I'll go through this in my quick facts, but there were a lot of people considered for these roles. Oh, really? Before they landed on, you know, in the Hathaway, cast. Meryl yeah, the Street, cast that right. they have. Okay. Um, they nailed it. I don't think I could. I personally couldn't see anybody else. I don't know if that differs for you, but that's okay. I but, there's one person I could not see anyone else playing. Like okay. definitively, I, you know what? I'll just say it. I'll explain okay. it later. But Meryl Streep, definitively, there is not a single other actress who I think could play the role the way she did. Anyway, sorry. She killed it. Oh, like I, God. you, you loved to hate her, but you still loved her. You know, she was just endearing enough. Yes. Yeah. The lines were written to perfection. Um, the acting was phenomenal. The writing was amazing. It did differ from the novel, um, uh, here and there. And I just think the, the pieces that differed worked. It, it, it was just a really fantastic movie. I love this movie. This was actually my first time watching the Devil Wears Prada in what? full. I've seen like scenes and stuff here and there walking by while somebody else was watching it. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. What? Oh yeah, my I know. God. It was so lovely to watch I this know. movie for a first time. Like most oh. of the movies that we do on this pod are things that, you know, I mean, 95% of the time I've already seen. Yeah. One of us have seen it or yeah. parts of it. Yeah. It is so clear why this is an instant classic. Like first off, it's just an excellent movie. Uh, my biggest takeaway is that I think that it kind of challenges you, the audience, to really consider your own morals through the lens Ooh. of Andy and the decisions that she makes. Specifically in, like, I think we've all, like, lived our lives and probably changed based on situations we're put into. Like, Andy is thrust into this world of fashion. Miranda Priestly is the epitome of over-the-top, dramatic, excessively demanding, and somewhat evil boss. But to fit in, Andy does what I think a lot of us do occasionally, and she kind of changes herself a little bit to be, to be more like that fashion culture. You change to survive. To be more like Miranda. And somewhere along the way, she kind of became too much like Miranda. She lost herself a little bit. And, I, like, aside from the fact that it's just a great movie, I thought that that was a very relatable thing in that... There are times where you maybe you act a little bit differently than you're used to, and you're like, ah, is that really me though? Maybe, maybe that's not. Maybe I maybe I shouldn't do that. And you're kind of you're challenged in those ways. And I think that this movie really showed like Andy wanted so badly to impress Miranda Priestly, but ultimately it was just a really toxic way of going about it. Like to do that, to change yourself so much and to be so much not like who you actually are. But I think Oh, for me, that's such a, I, I don't know. I kind of have a little bit of a different take on it. Really? I don't I don't think she was as toxic as 
the movie wanted her to be perceived. Like, I think, I don't think she was a Miranda Priestly. No, I don't don't. think so either. There's a point around 57 minutes in, Nigel tells Andy that when her entire life falls apart, it will be time for a promotion. It's only when she is promoted from second to first assistant that she hits rock bottom. But when Stan, like, when Nigel tells Andy that, part of that is true. When you're personal life is falling apart it means you're being so in in the fashion world or in a world like that where you are going a mile a minute non-stop you're somebody's assistant in this case or you're 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 answering to someone who's higher up who is so so um intelligent fantastic at their job and is so important in that industry that your life becomes that and you're doing, you know, you're doing well when everything else falls apart, and and that's super unhealthy. It's <laughs> like super that unhealthy. is not a no, good culture to have at work. Absolutely, hundred percent. But I just found that, like, I was like, yeah, like in this industry, I'm sure that that's what that's like. Yeah. So first off, the movie opens with the song "Suddenly I See." Suddenly I see. That's why it was in my head the entire week. We also did another movie extremely recently that also had Suddenly I See. I think around like mid-2000s, that was, <laughs> hey, we're doing a rom-com or a romantic dramedy a really or a little, comedy. Yeah, what's We're just going to throw it in here. Um, but we open more or less with Runway Magazine. We see Emily, played by Emily Blunt. Everybody's kind of scrambling, figuring out what to do because Miranda Priestley is on the way. She's on her way. Tell everyone. Not supposed to be here until nine. Her driver just text message, and her facial is ruptured. It is. God, these people. All right, everyone, gird your loins. And in walks Anne Hathaway's character, Andy. It's her first day on the job. The HR department just basically was like, "Hey, we've got a journalist here looking for a gig. She's now Miranda Priestley's second assistant." Do you have any worst first days of work stories? I don't have a story on the worst first day but I do have a story about like the worst interview I was interviewing um for a a summer camp gig so uh when I went in to go interview my mom had told me you're going for your your first bigger interview you need to dress the part so we went out and we bought dress pants and a white collared shirt for me how old were you (laughs) I think I was 16 and um but it was my first like full interview at like a place where like you'd think that you'd need to dress a little bit more proper. So I go in and um, I do the interview and I can see everybody else kind of waiting to go in as well after me or before me. And they're dressed quite down like they're they're in shorts or they're in like a t-shirt and like a nice pair of pants or jeans or whatever and it's a I'm summer like, camp position yeah okay one would think um <laughs> so here i am dressed in a collared sh- dressed in a collared shirt with my hair you know nicely done and um my black and at that point it was like a little bit of like a wide leg um black dress pants so we go in i do my thing i sing my little song because you had to sing a song or tell a joke or oh you literally you sang a song (laughs) yeah yeah what that was part of the interview that was part of the interview you either had to sing a kid's song play a kid's game like a camp game or tell a joke of course i'm horrible at telling jokes um i really can't sing for my life and games (laughs) i do love games so i think i sang baby shark so yeah. wait, we've got Sarah walking in here mm-hmm. dressed like a paralegal. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, actually, it's a really good call. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they go through the question. Singing questions. baby shark. Yeah. 
So I leave and then I find out later in the summer after I'm hired, after I'm working, whatever, that everyone who interviewed me was making fun of me because I was the only one that dressed in dress pants and a white collared top. Of course. And everyone else like was dressed down, really like chill for like a a camping. I was made fun of and I found out later that everyone who worked in that department totally made fun of me. I was mortified. Like, is she going to be a counselor or is she just going to sell car insurance to kids? Oh my God, honest to God. And I was, oh my God, I just remember. And like, looking back, I'm glad I wore what I wore because like, you know, I was taking it seriously. But I was so mad. Oh my God. Like, I was so mad. I was like, mom, you made me dress like this. And oh yeah, it was good. So Andy actually has to interview with Miranda Priestley. So you don't read Runway? Uh, no. And before today, you had never heard of me? No. And you have no style or sense of fashion? Well, um, I think that depends on what you're... No, no. That wasn't a question. So Miranda basically dismisses her, like I said, and then she just leaves. Andy's like, I didn't get the job, whatever. Miranda's a badass bitch, though. And um, as she's leaving to walk out the door, Emily comes. Emily calls her or runs after her and says, come on, let's go up, back up. And so Andy does get the job. And I think it's just based on the little, the little speech that Andy gives her saying, you know, like, I will learn quick and I will be good at my job and whatever. And anyway, so she does get the job. Her first day in the job, she's late. She has no idea what she's doing. I need 10 or 15 skirts from Calvin Klein. Okay, what kind of skirts do you... Please bore someone else with your questions. And make sure we have Pier 59 at 8 a.m. tomorrow. And remind Jocelyn I need to see a few of those satchels that Mark is doing in the pony. And then tell Simone I'll take Jackie if Maggie isn't available. Did DeMarchelier confirm? DeMarchelier? DeMarchelier? Did he get him on the phone? But she really, like, in my opinion, she really should be prepared in writing things down. Like, when I was an assistant for somebody, I always had my notepad or my laptop on me, and I was always taking notes. This is very fascinating, actually. Okay. Because, so so your boy Devin, actually, <laughs> at my normal 9 to 5, I do manage a team of people, and I recently hired somebody to be, like, more or less an assistant, mm-hmm. and she wasn't writing things down. And I did tell her, I'm like, listen, if you need to ask me for clarification once, totally cool. <laughs> you need to ask me twice... Guy? You probably should have written it down. <laughs> oh my She's like, you know what? You're right. I'm like, please write things down. Just like, you know what? One time, yeah. fair enough. Like, yeah. things are moving quick. You got to you gotta get up to speed quickly. That's tough. Mm-hmm. Twice, though. Interesting. Wow. Definitely. Is that mean? Am I, am I a Miranda a, Priestley at work? You're a bit of a hard ass. <laughs> wow. She got it. She's like, yeah, you know what? I should have written that down. I yeah, mean, okay. I agree. She should be, pre- like, in this case, Andy should have been prepared with notes and like with a notepad or something and taking them like you don't show up on your first day without at least looking like you care then again Miranda Priestley is being ridiculous she's just yelling at Andy she calls her the wrong name for like 30 minutes of the movie oh I think a little bit more and but she's yeah. just like yelling get Hans Gruber on the line <laughs> like who the f- is that I don't know how are you supposed to know that that's uh, that's ridiculous I love that they push the envelope with how ridiculous and audacious Miranda is with her <laughs> like her desires or her wants or her demands. I think Hans Gruber is actually the villain from the first Die Hard movie. <laughs> so. I think you might be right. <laughs> Get him on the phone. Meryl Streep really <laughs> wanted to talk to another villain. The villain from Die Hard, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. 
And this is when Miranda talks about her sweater and how it was chosen by the people in that room. This was this was a fun scene, but it was also a little bit like drinking the fashion Kool-Aid. Because Andy is still very much like not in on the fashion game. And Nigel and Miranda are trying to figure out like a belt for something. Yeah. And, and Andy kind of like chuckles because this is ridiculous. The two <laughs> belts look the same. And, and Miranda like kind of takes her down and is like, that sweater that you got at Value Village or wherever. You're also blithely unaware of the fact that... In 2002, Oscar de la Renta did a collection of cerulean gowns. And then I think it was Yves Saint Laurent, wasn't it, who showed cerulean military jackets? I think we need a jacket here. Mm. And then cerulean quickly showed up in the collections of eight different designers. And then it uh, filtered down through the department stores and then trickled on down into some tragic casual corner where you no doubt fished it out of some clearance bin however that blue represents millions of dollars and countless jobs and i think andy was kind of making headway with miranda where like she was kind of becoming in her good books but the next piece of this movie are is i like to call the montage of all the insane requests from miranda she had to drop she everything to drop everything try and get like the national garden to Get Miranda Priestley home. And, and she, she was obviously unsuccessful, and Miranda was livid about it. She well, held it against her. Reams Andy out the next day. On Andy's side, she goes to visit Nigel in the fashion department, like where all the clothes are housed and everything like that. And I wish that's the one wish that I have for this movie is that I actually got to see a montage of like. Oh, shut up. The whole movie was a montage of fashion. Oh, yeah, but like I wanted more, you know? I did want to see her like become kind of like a Princess Diaries montage where she like got make, made over. We kind of did, though. A little bit. I mean, he says, oh, what size are you? And she's like a six. She, he goes, oh, like, I don't know how much will fit you. And then he like chooses some dress- things and like gives them to her. And then that's kind of it. Like, I wanted more. <laughs> I wanted more, Devin. Um, well, okay. Question. Okay. John Krasinski, we know him from The Office as um, Jim. Jack Ryan. He is married to Emily Blunt, who plays Emily in this movie. Yes. And there's this funny clip that went around a couple years ago of Emily Blunt telling the story of how John Krasinski actually loves this movie. (laughs) There's a sort of montage sequence where Annie Hathaway's got numerous fabulous outfits that they go through. And John, one day I came home and he was watching it. and, And he was watching the montage bit and he goes... And that's my favorite outfit. <laughs> I'm wondering if we can take guesses at what our two favorite outfits are and maybe okay. what the two worst outfits are. Because you're right. Mm-hmm. Nigel does this fashion makeover of Andy. And now all of a sudden, for the entire rest of the movie, girl's glammed up. She is yes. fashioned up. She's wearing... I love her hair. I don't know any of the brands she's wearing, but I assume they're expensive and lovely. I would agree that they are expensive and lovely. Yes. Okay. So, do you want me to go first? Actually, you know what? Why don't you just show me and I'll explain what your oh. picks are. So, give me your best. Okay. So, my best is... This is great because I know nothing about fashion. So, you listening are going to hear this through the <laughs> lens of Devin, okay, knowing so, nothing. So, my best is... Um, I really like this one. Okay. Uh, okay. So, that's the um, that's the green dress coat. It's got like leopard print wrists and a leopard print... It's not a shawl. It's like a, it's like a leopard tail trying to choke her around the neck oh a little bit. Oh my god! Oh my god! Next scarf. It's a scarf. No, it's not a scarf. Okay. 
Um, okay, and, and white gloves. All right. Okay. What is it actually, though? That's well, that's a pretty. You know close... what? You're you're pretty darn close. Like I have to say, um, I would I would say that this it is a dress coat. Oh, it's hey. a type of dress coat, but I would say it's a pea coat. Oh, it is a pea coat. You're right. You're right. It's um, but I love the matching gold shoes with her green pea coat. I I can't remember what was you know what she wore underneath that, but I just I love the coat. The coat is just such a statement with the color. Okay, what's your worst pick? Okay, my worst pick is this one. Right. She's wearing the classic mid-2000s. It's not a fedora, and it's not a flat cap. It's kind of somewhere in the middle. I don't know why everybody liked those. And she's got, like, weird, like, very... Is that bohemian would be the vibe of the necklaces? Wow. Is boho a thing? <laughs> yeah. Is, is that a way to describe that? Probably not. <laughs> I mean... Maybe a little. I don't know. And the and the rest of the outfit kind of looks like a casual nun sort of vibe. It's very black oh and white god. with like oh my god a white collar. Oh my god! I never would have put <laughs> nun together, but like you know, I kind of see it like a modern day nun. If if the nuns decided that they were going to modernize their outfits, <laughs> exactly. That's what she looks. <laughs> or like. I shouldn't say outfits. Yeah. They're they're you they're attire um yeah i hate this one i hate the hat oh yeah i absolutely hate it so and if i'm gonna pick what i think john krasinski thought was the best outfit okay it's when she meets christian thompson she's wearing like an all black kind of like a like a new wave goth sort of vibe okay, with like yeah. long shawly not not shawl but like she's got like long like loose necklaces yep black yep. high boots mm-hmm. heels yeah, and like a long, it's like a long coat coat thingy going on. I like that. Yeah, I like that too. I think that's probably what John Krasinski saw as okay. the best outfit. Okay, what's your what's the one that you don't like? Like early on, it might even be her first outfit. She's wearing this um, cerulean blue. No, not the cerulean blue. But she is wearing like a, a navy kind of like blazer. Okay. With an emblem on the chest. Oh. It looks like a like a like a prep school. It looks like a British uh football club kind of oh, vibe. God. Yeah, like that Manchester United. I don't I don't know anything about football, but um I'm sorry. That's what it looks I'm like. I'm sorry. Hold on. What was that? Well, we can move on. That was a bad impression. <laughs> I don't know how many listeners we have from the UK, but there's definitely some. Please disregard so that. I apologize. Mean? Yeah. I did really like her black dress that she wore to the gala, like the benefit that she wore. Oh, yeah. That one was that good, was too. That was beautiful. But that one, like, I think that was the vibe because Miranda Priestly, Emily, and Andy were all wearing, like, black dresses. Yeah. So that was, you know, that wasn't a statement piece. That was, I'm going to I'm gonna go along with the vibe piece. So before I get to the unachievable um, request and demand that Miranda makes of Andy, uh, Andy goes out with her friends that night and Nate, her boyfriend, after work and brings gifts for everyone. Stuff that Miranda doesn't want. And honestly, like that would be for me one of the best perks of the job. Getting designer items for free. But the discussion that arises between her and her friend Lily is that like how many bags do girls need? Like you can never have enough bags, especially designer bags. Stop it. You can never have enough designer you bags. You absolutely can have enough shoes and bags. If they're free, though, if they're free designer bags, like I wouldn't spend that much money on designer bags. Like I, I literally have used the same purse since like. I was about to say we a had a designer time. bag in our basement for like three years that you did not know what about. What bag? I can't even remember. Oh, it was the one that was brown. I don't remember. That's all I know about the bag as well because it's been in our friggin' basement for three years. Okay, well maybe I'll have to use it then. I think I gave it to your mom and you didn't even notice. Oh, I like when you get rid of things of mine and 
you don't tell me and I don't realize that means that's not a good thing. Yeah, if you don't realize that um proves my point that we didn't need it to begin with. Anyway. That evening she gets a call from Miranda Priestley telling her to go and pick something up from uh, a party that James Holt it's James Holt um his party and and Andy has to go there and pick up some designs for um, the next season. And while there, she meets Christian Thompson. Yes. He's journalist. Like, yes, he's a journalist. And like he's like a weird, like suave, arrogant, but charming. He's like that um, that university professor who you're like, you're a little bit too friendly with some of your students kind of vibe, you know? Ooh, I could see that. Yeah, like you're almost like creepy if you were a professor. Yeah, but but like he is a good-looking guy, so you're like, oh, maybe he's just nice. But we definitely know that his intentions are not pure when it comes to Andy. Yes, this is very true. And he somehow know, like he he does know that maybe not at this point, but he does find out later on that she does have a boyfriend. This is a tough one because he is a New York Times, but he's a freelance uh writer. Right. So He's exactly who she wants to be talking to because before yeah. she got this job at Runway, she wanted to be a legitimate journalist. So despite the fact that Christian Thompson is very good looking and he's clearly hitting on her, there's a little bit of um, professional like, hey, you could help me out with my career vibes here. Yeah, and he actually offers. He yeah. says, send me some, some of your work and I'll take a read through and, and let you know. The next few weeks, I guess, she actually does end up becoming a little bit more successful in her job. And you can kind of tell she's really getting her feet under her. And she is asked to bring the book. So the runway um, draft of the next magazine over to Miranda's house. And the, the first assistant... Well, the second assistant does it, but only once Miranda has fully trusted. So up until this point... It's Emily, only been Emily who's yeah, been doing it. Emily has been doing this. Instead of following the exact rules set out by Emily, she listens to Miranda's twin girls who are literally trying to sabotage, sabotage uh, Andy and goes upstairs and catches Miranda and her husband in a fight. It's not a good look. This is where the unachievable task comes into play. Miranda, about last night, I, have I need the new Harry Potter book for the twins. Okay. Okay, I'll go down to Barnes & Noble right now. Did you fall down and smack your little head on the pavement? Not that I can recall. We have all the published Harry Potter books. Twins want to know what happens next. You want the unpublished manuscript? Well, we know everyone in publishing. It shouldn't be a problem, should it? And you can do anything, right? She goes all over the city, tries to call everyone, gets to get this unpublished manuscript, and then she thinks to call Christian Thompson... Which, like, why? Like, but whatever. I guess it's the story. It works, Sarah. I know. And he, he is comes, a writer for the New York Times. He comes through for He gets her. it. And now we get to the benefits. So there's this big gala sort of thing going on. Miranda Priestley has both her assistants, Andy and Emily, there. And a common storyline through this movie, kind of a subplot, is that Emily, the first assistant, is just so psyched for Fashion Week in Paris. I get to go with her to Paris for Fashion Week in the fall. I get to wear couture, I go to all the shows and all the parties, I meet all of the designers, it's divine. And Miranda is really looking at Emily to help her out in terms of, okay, somebody's walking up to me, who is that man, what do I need to say, what are the key points? And Emily kind of waffles a few times because she's got a cold, she's not feeling super well, 
and Andy jumps in. She read all the same stuff that Emily read about who's going to be here. And she is like, oh, that's the ambassador to Hungary, Hans Gruber. Still making Hans Gruber <laughs> oh jokes. Oh, my God. Um, and more or less, Miranda realizes, <laughs> hey, you know what? She she takes Andy aside after that and says, I need my best team in Paris. And Emily's no longer my best team. You're my best team. You're going to Paris with me. A side thing here is that, like you talked about, when your personal life is struggling, you're probably due for a promotion at work. Andy's now going to Paris. When she gets home after that benefit, Nate is there, and he's really upset because it was his birthday, and Andy just blew it off, couldn't go because of the benefit. So Andy and Nate are clearly struggling. Then she finds out, hey, I'm going to Paris. Promotion happens. Miranda kind of sucks, though, because she's like... Emily's going to be here in about 10 minutes. Why don't you go ahead and give her the news? That's ruthless. That is ruthless. Like, that is like, I'm going to pin my two assistants against each other when I don't need to, but I'm going to do it anyway. Exactly. Yeah. And Emily actually ends up getting into an accident. So theoretically, she probably (laughs) couldn't have gone to Fashion Week in Paris anyway. Yeah. But Andy does go to the hospital and she reveals to her, hey, Miranda wants me to go instead dun, dun, dun. which like i think honestly was the best case scenario on like i hate to say this that she got hit by a car because it made it made it soften easier. the blow a little bit yeah it made it easier for andy to tell her that she wasn't going because yeah. if she hadn't been hit by a car she would still possibly be able to go do you have any worst boss you've ever had stories or moments or things so i once got um in a little bit of trouble um for giving a guy um who came into the office a bag of rocks Rocks. Rocks. You got in genuine trouble for that. No, not like, well, like I just got like, just, <laughs> I, I got talked to where it's like, don't do that again. What? And I was like, okay, okay. I have, sorry. I have so many questions. There's a lot of questions that would go with this. Yep. Okay. First of all, where were you working? That, that so rocks I, I, were a valued commodity. So I used to work uh, with a bunch of geologists. Okay. That makes, <laughs> if that makes sense. So they are special rocks They're, in some they way. They were special rocks. And <laughs> the guy told me that he had permission to take the rocks. <laughs> So I allowed him to take the rocks. Jesus, what a weird Because I was um, told I could. Like, he told me that he was told that he could take them. And got I a requisition like, okay. form here for rocks. Oh, yeah, you've come to the right place. And it, We have those. It turned out that it I was not supposed to let those rocks go. And um, it's not like I, it was just like a, oh, you shouldn't have done that. Don't do it again. What, so, what was significant about the rocks? I, I do you honestly, remember? I can't remember. Sarah's because not the rocks. geologist here. Like I am not a geologist. She's just doling out the rocks. I'm just giving <laughs> the rocks to whoever asks and tells me that they can take them. <laughs> was he actually like a coworker or employee? He or was, was retired, he? I think, from like where I worked. In retrospect, I probably should have asked a few more questions. Clearly, but you're not expecting like a random guy off the street to be like, "Hey, you guys got any rocks in there?" Like, yeah, sure do, buddy. They say someone else's garbage is one man's rock is another man's special rock. I guess. Oh God, yeah. So now Andy's going to Paris, and her and Nate actually break up around this pine, or they they take a little break. Yeah, they do. Um, Nate's not really being that supportive. Lily kind of catches Christian kissing Andy on the cheek at her art gallery opening. Um, like, clearly they're flirting. It's it's hard because, you know, is that wrong? Yeah. It's not like they were making out, kissing, you know, whatever. And some people greet each other by kissing each other on the cheek. Okay. 
that was not what was happening, wait, wait, Sarah. Wait, wait, wait. Let me finish. <laughs> the way that that was done was not, you know, a greeting or a goodbye. Like, that was like a... That was, I want to bang you yes, later. Like, yes. kiss on the cheek. I oh, know, you're going to Paris. Awesome. I'll be there, too. Christian's <laughs> also in Paris, by the yes, way, everybody. Yeah. So Andy, Andy is in, in Paris with Miranda, and uh, Andy goes to bring some things to Miranda's room, and Miranda's there, you know, quite sad, and Andy finds out that Miranda's husband is leaving her, and it does, in fact, show that she does have a bit of a heart. And that's back to the, like, 95% of this movie is Miranda being horrible, but, like, you get, like, 30 seconds where you do, you just feel for her a little bit. You understand the life that she's living. She's been living... Andy's life for the last 40 years, you know, the nonstop fashion is everything. My mm-hmm. personal life yeah. can fall to the wayside a little bit. And yeah, it is sad. And she's kind of broken. And she's like, get my PR person on the line. We need to make sure this doesn't blow up. And, you know, I'm the crazy lady who keeps on getting divorced. We don't want that to be the headline. And I think it shows a little bit of what Andy's future would be if she continued on that on that um, pathway. Foreshadowing. I wow, like it. We're going to yes. hear more about that foreshadowing in moments. <laughs> so um, that same night, she goes over to see Nigel, and he has some good news. He is getting a promotion that Miranda is putting him up for to be the uh, partner for James Holt's new company launch across... Uh, Europe internationally anyway yeah um and he is stoked he knows that he he knows that he deserves this promotion um he is so pumped about it he worked so hard for it and they cheers and they celebrate along with that same night Andy actually goes on a date with Christian oh Christian Thompson yes here we go she ends up staying the night with him and as she's leaving that morning because she's super late because she sleeps in, finds out that Miranda is being replaced by Jacqueline. And Jacqueline! Christian is going to work for her at Runway, all the while Miranda doesn't know. So Andy goes right away oh, to go and tell Miranda. The drama. Yes, so Andy runs to Miranda to try to reveal to her, you're being double-crossed, you're going to get replaced. Miranda's just kind of buzzing her off, waving her off. And then she has this speech at this ceremony. And she reveals that... Jacqueline is actually the one going to be launching this thing with James Holt. What happened behind the scenes is that Miranda heard that they were trying to replace her with Jacqueline. You thought I didn't know. I've known what was happening for quite some time. It just took me a little while to find a suitable alternative for Jacqueline. And that James Holt job was just so absurdly overpaid that, of course, she jumped at it. <laughs> so I just had to tell her that Jacqueline was unavailable. Jacqueline's going to go in that spot. She's going to do this thing for James Holt. I'm going to stay as chief editor of Runway, and Nigel gets f***ed, and he's just in the same spot. And Nigel learns this during that speech. Like, he's literally sitting there making eyes at James Holt, like, oh, my God, it's yeah. going to happen. And then Miranda reveals that it's not him. Yeah, shattering Nigel's dreams and a well-deserved promotion. Oh, my God. That was heartless. She was the one with the knife that was just poking people in the backs with it. She knew the whole time what was going on, all the movements and moving pieces behind the scenes, and she knew what she needed to do in order to stay on top. Yeah, so when Andy was trying to save her from getting fired... 
Miranda even says, like, it was so inspirational how you were trying to save me. <laughs> wow, thank you so much. But I was the mastermind behind it all. But what if this isn't what I want? I mean, what if I don't want to live the way you live? Oh, don't be ridiculous, Andrea. Everybody wants this. Everybody wants to be us. And I found during the, the relationship between Andy and Miranda, no matter how pissed Andy was at Miranda or vice versa, she was always at her beck and call. Yeah. And the way Andy quits her job, it's not flashy. It's not anything outrageous. She just walks away. She leaves. So the limo stops. Miranda gets out. All the photographers are on here. She's walking up the steps. She looks back. No Andy. Andy peaced out. She's literally just walking by, past a fountain through Paris. And it was kind of the simplest way to be the most destructive to Miranda Priestley in that it's not like, I'm not going to blow up. I'm not going to yell at you. I'm just not here. You have nobody. Yeah, I'm not right? doing it anymore. Nobody's here to help you. Oh, love it. I actually put on our uh, Instagram best quitting stories. I don't have a good quitting story. Sarah, do you have a good quitting story? No, I don't have a good quitting story, unfortunately. Okay, thank God. Uh, Danielle on our Instagram does have a good quitting okay, story. Okay, I'm excited. <laughs> Said, uh, I was working a crappy summer job that ran until October when I had just completed my teaching degree. I was missing out on uh, some days because I was working on this crappy job. We had a rule to only have a certain radio station on in the workplace. Hilarious. But this one coworker I hated insisted on changing the station every <laughs> song, pretty much. She really drove me up the wall, but about halfway through September, she peeled the tape off off the tuner on the radio to change the station and I just grabbed my purse and walked right out the door <laughs> without saying anything and never returned. Oh. Peeled the tape off the tuner. So that means they actually had to tape it yes. to the appropriate spot. Yeah. And a few other just stories I've seen. Uh, first job working at a little barbecue place with a drive through My day off, manager calls me at 8.30 a.m., 30 minutes before they open, saying she doesn't feel good and needs me to open. I rush in and end up working all day. 5 p.m. rolls around, manager comes in with the owner of the business, who she's dating. They were at the fair all day and completely oh forgot that they had lied to me about her being sick. I bit my tongue and asked if I can go home. They said no. What? To, to keep that person until close, 9 p.m. At 9 p.m., I took my shirt off, handed, handed them my keys, and said today was my last day. Walked out the door shirtless. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Love it. Oh, my gosh. Close to, I mean, you know, Andy's was a little bit more subtle, but I think very impactful. Yeah, and there's actually a really, one of the, one of the more famous quotes from this movie in this scene where Miranda says to Andy, everyone wants to be us. And in that moment, I think it solidifies for Andy. She doesn't want this. She doesn't want to do this forever. And she doesn't want to be a Miranda Priestley. And so that's when, yeah, she gets out of the car and just beelines it to the ground, throws her phone in there and says, see you later. She does meet with Nate after for coffee and finds out that Nate is leaving uh, New York for, I think, Boston. Yep. And it's going to be a sous chef. Going to be a sous chef. And he invites Andy with her, with him. Invites Andy with him, um, I think, right? Like That was kind of implied. Andy does get a job at a newspaper, though. So maybe she's not going to follow Nate to uh, Boston. She has this interview with this guy, and he asks about her time with Runway, and barely there a year. He reveals to Andy, I actually called the Runway office, some mean lady named Emily answered the phone <laughs> or something like that. But right. later we got a fax that day from Miranda Priestley herself and the letter of recommendation said, Andy was my biggest disappointment as a personal assistant. 
you'd be a fool not to hire her kind of thing. Um, which was really like, it was, it was cute and it was sweet. It was Miranda Priestly, you know, obviously upset of how Andy left, but wants her to still do well. Like she's not yeah. as bitter about it, I guess. And there is, the, there's... I liked the way it was done. I was going to say, it was a very beautiful way it was done. It was, it was a very Miranda Priestly way. We see later on the streets of New York, Andy is walking across the street and she sees Miranda Priestly coming out of an office and getting into a limo. And right before Miranda gets into the limo, she looks up, sees Andy across the street. Andy waves to her. Miranda doesn't wave back, just gets right into the limo. <laughs> and Andy, I think, is kind of like, uh, checks out. That's Miranda. Yeah. She's kind of Moved sucks. on. Uh, and then Miranda is driving off and she kind of has a smirk on her face. Like, I think it's kind of ending in a, all things in the universe are well. Yes. Miranda's not bitter about it. She's just being Miranda. And actually, I think she's happy that Andy is going on to do bigger things or better things or whatever. And Andy's got this this flourishing career. Yeah, because you know what? If you think about it, Emily is in the same place Emily was when Andy started. 100%, yeah. You put in a lot of dues with little return. Like, you got to work your butt off in order to get anything back. Yep. So, yeah, no, it was a, it was a great movie. That's our movie. So I want to play a Google game. Oh, yeah, okay. So the Google game is you have to guess. So there's six of them. It's going to start off with did Anne Hathaway. And you're going to have to fill in the rest. Okay. Do you have like the talk, top six on I the board? The top six on the board. Did Anne Hathaway date Jake Gyllenhaal? It is not oh. in there, but that is a really good Love one. and Other Drugs, right? I would think that could that could have been something. I forgot she was in Love and Other Drugs. Okay, yep. I'll do three guesses and then you okay. can just hit us okay. with the actual No, ones. that works. Did Anne Hathaway, something about the Batman movie, like did she actually martial arts Batman something, something along those lines? Okay, so did Anne Hathaway play Catwoman? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so these questions are a lot more simple than 100%. I'm going with. 100%. Did Anne Hathaway... Is Anne Hathaway actually a princess? I don't know. Is that one of them? Did Anne Hathaway sing in Ella Enchanted? Okay, what are the rest? The rest are, did Anne Hathaway win an Oscar? Oh, that's a good question. Did Anne Hathaway sing in Les Mis? Oh, she was in Les Mis. Yes, that's she correct. was, yes. Did Anne Hathaway go to college? Because lots of people want to know that, I guess. <laughs> and this is the one that um, pretty much every celebrity at some point, I think, has. Did Anne Hathaway die? Oh, yes, so, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people need to know that. <laughs> yes. So that's that's that. <laughs> Good guesses, though. You got oh one that gosh. was kind of almost there. Um, quick facts. On the first day of filming, Meryl Streep told Anne Hathaway, I think you're perfect for the role. I'm so happy we're going to be working together. Then she paused and followed it up with, that's the last nice thing I'll say to you. And it was. <laughs> Despite multiple fashion designer loans, Patricia Field spent more than one million on costuming, making it the most expensively costumed filmed in history. Field received her sole Oscar nomination for her work on this movie. Wow. All costumes were sold off at an auction for research of breast cancer. Anne Hathaway bought the green dress of her character uh, that her character gets to wear. The peacoat? I think so, yeah. And the one item Meryl Streep kept was her sunglasses, which she used again as Donna during the famous money, money, money scene in the 2008 Mamma Mia. The character of Emily, played by Emily Blunt, was not supposed to be English in the script. Blunt thought it would be interesting and sound a bit more imperious. In several scenes, she is seen running around in the background, though never written nor directed. She felt her character would always be busy and wanted to keep her alive in the film. Notably, most of her wardrobe is from Vivian Westwood. 
Love that. I, I do agree with her thought process. Just something about a British accent sounds more scathing at times does, than like a nor- normal North American <laughs> accent. Totally. It just feels more rude. <laughs> at around 59 minutes, Emily Blunt has stated that her um, that she stole a snarky line of dialogue that she heard coming from a mother yelling at her child on the street. That line was, yeah, I'm hearing this and I want to hear this. It was accompanied by hand-talking gestures that Blunt also mimicked in the scene. Emily Blunt revealed in 2016 that every week, at least one stranger quotes a line from the movie to her. Her own husband, John Krasinski, jokes to have seen the movie 75 times. (laughs) For the movie, only two days of production took place in Paris. Anne Hathaway really did go from a size 6 to a size 4 throughout filming, and she prepared for the part by volunteering for a week as an assistant at an auction house. Six years after Stanley Tucci and Emily Blunt worked together on this movie, Stanley married Emily Blunt's sister, Felicity. Emily was a bridesmaid. The recurrent need for Hermes scarves comes from the novel, as in the novel, it is Miranda's trademark that she always has a white scarf somewhere on her person. Emily Blunt was discovered in a parking lot. She had been auditioning for Aragon in 2006, also a production by 20th Century Fox, but was turned down after multiple callbacks when a producer from Devil decided to put her on an audition tape. More than 100 actresses were considered for the part, and Emily Blunt had returned to England to recover when the Fox executives offered her another audition. This time they asked her to dress more like her character. In her tape, she wore jeans and (laughs) flip-flops. This movie was filmed in 57 days. The final cut was finished in three weeks. Stanley Tucci was one of the last actors casted. He joined the cast the weekend before his first scene on Monday morning after 150 other actors were considered to play Miranda's loyal, quick-witted art director. The novel sold over a million copies, spent 10 weeks at number one, and spent a year on the New York Times bestseller list. The movie was also a box office smash hit. The novel has been published in over 40 languages. At around five minutes in the movie, uh, the first bag we see Miranda carry into the office is, appropriately, a Prada bag. (laughs) Anne Hathaway and Emily Blunt later reunited on Lip Sync Battle in 2015 for a Devil Wears Prada reunion battle. Hathaway and Blunt are good friends in real life, unlike their relationship in the film. Originally a spring release until 20th Century Fox decided to launch it as a counter-programming against Superman Returns in 2006. In the end, Devil Wears Prada actually outdid Superman at the international box office. Daytime scenes in Paris with Miranda and Andy in the back of a car. The S-Class Mercedes was physically cut in half in order to get the camera angles. It was a pre-production model that the makers could never have sold and would have been disposed of anyway. Jennifer Aniston, Cameron Diaz, Heather Graham, Angelina Jolie, Lisa Kudrow, Helen Mirren, Gwyneth Paltrow, Michelle Pfeiffer, Julia Roberts, Meg Ryan, Alicia Silverstone, Hilary Swank, and Naomi Watts were all considered for the role of Miranda Priestly. Wow. I have one person who I think could come close. Okay. I'll talk about it later in my honorable mentions. Okay, I like it. I'm excited. Not a single one of them holds a candle to Meryl Streep in this, though. No, I know. I agree. No, like, those are amazing names, but it's Meryl Streep. Yeah, you can't go wrong. She is Miranda Priestly. She is, It was perfect. (laughs) Anne Hathaway was the ninth choice for the role of Andy, as the studio wanted an established dramatic actress over her and her then-teen-oriented filmography. 
Anne Hathaway persisted campaigning hard for the role all the way, going into Fox executives' offices, pleading to be hired, explaining why she wanted to do it and why she wanted to play the role. It wasn't until Meryl Streep saw her performance in Brokeback Mountain that she called the studio to advocate for Anne Hathaway's casting in the film. Rachel McAdams was offered the role of Andy three times, only to turn them all down. Some of the other names that were considered were Scarlett Johansson, Natalie Portman, Kate Hudson, and Kristen Dunst. Those are all good choices. Rachel McAdams said no three times? Yeah, I guess. What? I know. She would have been good, but I don't know. She would have been really good. Mm Mm-hmm. Meryl Streep's daughter, Mammy Gummer, played a Starbucks clerk, but her scene was cut for pacing. This is the second movie where one of Anne Hathaway's characters has gone through a major makeover, the first, of course, being The Princess Diaries in 2001. In the book, Andy's boyfriend is Alex the teacher. In this movie, he is Nate the chef. Three years after this movie's release, Meryl Streep and Stanley Tucci would go on to play wife and husband as the famous chef Julia Child and the American diplomat Paul Child in in Julie and Julia in 2009. The scene where Andy missed Nate's birthday and comes in with a cupcake was originally going to be that they were all going to a concert and she showed up late, but it was too expensive and the studio needed to cut things. It's estimated that there were around $10 million worth of scenes nixed from the script for a $35 million budget, including an alternative ending for the couple and the florals for spring. This bit was saved. This is the third movie starring Anne Hathaway, which features a best friend named Lily. The first two were The Princess Diaries and The Princess Diaries 2 Royal Engagement. Both Anne Hathaway and Stanley Tucci would go on to star in the remake of The Witches, That was done in 1990. Um, The most recent one was done in 2020. Emily and Nigel speak to each other briefly early on in the film, in the first scenes in the runway offices. The two characters don't speak to each other or even interact with each other again in the entire movie. Lauren Weisberger, the author of the book on which the film is based, has an uncredited cameo role as the twins' nanny. At around an hour and 35 minutes, in the last scene between Miranda and Andy, Andy asks Miranda if the lifestyle that Miranda led wasn't what she wanted. Miranda responds, everyone wants this, everyone wants to be us. The original line was, everyone wants to be me. However, Meryl Streep didn't like this line, finding it too self-involved and dramatic. And at the table reading of the script, she organically changed the line to, everyone wants to be us. The line obviously stuck and was used in the movie. When David Frankel was talking to Stanley Tucci about how he would react when he finds out that the job his character wanted is going to someone else, he told him to act like he had been nominated for an Oscar and just heard another actor's name called. Meryl Streep was standing nearby and said, oh, I can help with that. At around an hour and 40 minutes, the New York Mirror hires Andy. The Mirror was a real newspaper that ceased publication in 1898. It often published first editions of Edgar Allan Poe. Andy's eyeliner gets increasingly thicker during her time at runway. It is at its thickest when she is in Paris getting ready for dinner with Christian. A few scenes later, when she meets Nate in the restaurant after quitting runway, she is not wearing any eyeliner at all. This has been debated whether this is to symbolize her retreat from the fashion world. Honorable mentions. Honorable mention is the casting in this movie. Mm, Okay, okay. I'm going to say just like the overall casting because I know they went through so many people, as I mentioned in the quick facts, that in my honest opinion, like I think they chose perfectly. I will agree. Okay. And disagree at the same time. Why? Feels like a cop out, but my, my honorable mention is Meryl Streep. 
And I know it's tough to honorably mention, like, the second biggest person in this movie. No, no, I love it. But I mention it because I think she's literally the only human on this planet that could nail that role. And you mentioned a lot of people in your quick facts of who was up for the role. But if I look at the other spots, like Anne Hathaway, fantastic. I think you probably could have found another Andy, though, like they wanted Rachel McAdams really bad. She, She could have been very, very good at that. Emily Blunt was great. Definitely possible that you could find another person to fill that role. Oh, Ma- she was so good, though. She was good. God, I but loved her. Listen, everybody in this movie was so good. Mm-hmm. With that said, Meryl Streep, irreplaceable. Agreed. Impeccable. Like, that performance was perfect, and I am so confident that there is not a single other person that could do that role even, like, half as good. Yeah. You know? I'm in agreement for sure. The only person I thought of was Robin Wright. You know how she did the the House of Cards series with Kevin Spacey on Netflix? Oh, no. That came out a few years after this. Yeah. So maybe. No, I, I can't see that. But I but can't. still, but, I, I agree. I thought about Robin Wright and I'm like, that she's still not, she's elegant, but she's too mean. Like Meryl Streep yes. had the perfect combination of everything. You st- Like I said at the beginning, you, you loved to hate her, but you still loved her. There were times where you loved her. You know, yeah. like you gave her the benefit of the doubt or you knew it was her job or just, oh, she was impeccable. What should have been? Okay, so my what should have been, I used to really, really want a sequel to this movie, but yeah. now watching this movie most recently, I think it is perfect the way it ended. Yeah. Although, yeah, my I- one... Thing, and I don't think it's going to be the same as you. I can actually tell you 100% it is not the same thing as you. Wow. Okay. I would never get rid of the clothes that I received <laughs> during Paris Fashion Week. <laughs> Come on. So unrealistic. So unrealistic. But with that scene, I think so. So Andy, after Paris Week gives, uh, or uh, Fashion Week at Paris, gives all of her clothes to Emily, which was kind of like... um Mending. It was an olive branch. The, right. Extending the olive branch. And kind of trying to wrap up every loose end. My honor, my what should have been is that there is one loose end that I don't think we saw get tied up. Oh, which which is what? It's Nigel. Oh, Stanley Tucci. Oh, yes. He gets brutally he does. betrayed. Yes. And I would have just liked to have seen like a really quick uh, something of him like walking into a different office. And don't even tell us, don't explain anything to it, but it... It speaks to the fact that maybe he's moving on from Runway and from Miranda Priestly because he realizes that he's never going to get ahead while he's there. Yeah. Just something to tell me that Stanley Tucci's going to be okay. All right? And before we get to rewatchability... I have some info on um, just the background of this movie a little bit more. So um, I call it the Anna Wintour piece. Because it's kind of thinly veiled that this story is likely... About Anna Wintour? Yeah, based on Vogue itself and Vogue magazine and and the office, I guess, environment through this. Because the original novel was somebody who was an assistant to Anna Wintour. Um, Yeah, or worked worked at Vogue. Runway is a fictitious version of Vogue. Anna Wintour, who is the editor of Vogue, and the inspiration for Miranda Priestly, was not invited to the premiere. She did, however, attend an advanced screening for the press along with her daughter, dressed head to toe in Prada. Winter's daughter could be heard nudging her throughout the screening. They got that right. Although never commenting on it publicly, she reportedly really liked the film despite initial skepticism. A fear of legendary Vogue editor, Anna Winter, cast a shadow of, over the pre-production. 
only Valentino, who had designed the black gown Meryl Streep wears in the museum benefit scene, chose to make an appearance. And one prominent supermodel, Giselle Bündchen, signed on for a small role and agreed to be in the movie only if she did not play a model. You will also see Heidi Klum in the background during one of the uh, scenes, but she is not technically like in the movie. Author of the original novel, Lauren Weinsberger, reportedly based the character of Emily upon Plum Skies, writer and former assistant to Vogue editor-in-chief Anna Wintour. Skies worked at Vogue at the same time as Lauren. Writer Aline Brosh McKenna couldn't find anyone in the fashion world who talked to her as people were afraid to be blackballed by Anna Wintour and Vogue. She stated that there was one person who spoke to her who read the script and said the characters were too nice. No one in that world is too nice. They don't have to be, and they don't have time to be. After that, she did a pass to make everyone a bit busier and meaner. The only contact production had with Vogue was Jess Contour the production designer who snuck in their offices to get a look at Anna Wintour's office. He was able to recreate it so authentically that it is said that Anna redecorated hers immediately after the movie came out. Production went for weeks being unable to secure locations due to people's loyalties to Anna Wintour, who felt that they were doing something that was detrimental or insulting to her. They worked around the fact that Meryl Streep, an admired and respected actress, wanted to do the movie. However, they couldn't secure Met Ball scenes as the Metropolitan Museum wanted nothing to do with them, nor Bryant Park because of Fashion Week, and co-op boards refused to let the production in on apartment buildings that were possibilities for Miranda's apartment. Overall rewatchability. So my rewatchability is chemistry, 4.75. The .25 I took away is because of Nate and Andy. All the other chemistry in this movie, although contentious, was electric. You know, the scenes with Andy, Emily, and Miranda Priestly, despite the fact that it's not like, you know, a romantic relationship, it was, the chemistry was there between the other actresses on screen. Uh, Storyline, 5 out of 5. Thirst Factor, 4 out of 5. Everything else, Imagination, 5. Soundtrack, 5. Suddenly I see suddenly I see. <laughs> She's I 5 too. for an overall score of 4.79 out of wow. 5. It's nearly a perfect movie. Okay, so my rewatchability is as follows. Chemistry, 4.85. Storyline, 5. Thirst Factor, 4.5. Imagination, 5. Soundtrack 4.5, Cheese 4.5 for an overall score of 4.73. Ooh, and this has been the Rom-Com Rewind of The Devil Wears Prada. If you're listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, leave a review, follow, subscribe, Instagram at Rom-Com Rewind, TikTok at Rom-Com Rewind. Thanks for listening.